Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. Unlikely Heroes. We start a brand new series today called Unlikely Heroes. And we're going to be looking at throughout the next couple of weeks, throughout the next few weeks, we're just going to be looking at people that made a huge impact that uh, nobody would have ever thought about it. Never, nobody would have ever uh, thought that that person could have made such a huge impact. So find your Bibles. Go to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. If you've been with us for the last couple of months while we were in this series of the life of David, your Bible should just like just open up somewhere around First Kings or, or Samuel, somewhere. I mean, it, it should just be, we, we were there for like three months. So by default, your Bible should just go there. And if it does, then just go to the right a little bit. You'll hit Second Kings chapter 5. <clears throat> There's some notes in the back. Some of them are for today's message, and then others are just small group discussion. So for those of y'all that will be in small groups this week, that's what you guys will be talking about. And uh, even if you're not going to be in a small group this week, go ahead and take them and just think about it. Process them with your family. But a couple of things that I want to point out about unlikely heroes. Who are unlikely heroes? Unlikely heroes are people that play a small part but have a significant impact. Unlikely heroes are people that play a small part but have a significant impact, a huge impact. Unlikely heroes most of the times are going to be behind the scenes and hardly ever in the spotlight. A lot of times you don't even remember the names of unlikely heroes. They're behind the scenes. They're hardly ever in the spotlight. Thomas Edison. Anybody ever heard the name Thomas Edison? You should have in history class. Thomas Edison. What did he do? Anybody know what his biggest invention was? Invention? What was it? Speak to me. The light bulb. Aren't we so happy that we have the light bulb? I am. I am very thankful to Thomas Edison. But you know, Thomas Edison, whenever he was about third grade, somewhere around there, his teacher sent a note home with him. And he couldn't read it, so he gives it to his mom. And his mom said, and and he asked his mom, what does the note say, mom? And the mom looks at the note and reads it to him and says, Your son, he says, your teacher says that your son is too smart for this school. We are not able to teach a a child that is this smart. You need to take, you need to enroll him into a special school. And awesome, right? Years later, his his mother has passed away. He's already successful. He's already invented the light bulb. His mother has passed away and he's going through his mother's things and he comes across that note that he took home that day to the te- from the teacher. And as he opens up and he reads it, what the note actually says is your son is too slow. He's behind all of the other students. And he's slowing me down in teaching my students. You're going to have to en- enroll him in some other special school for kids with special needs. And it's just amazing how... His mother played such as, I don't even know the woman's name. 
But he's, she played such a small part. All she did was lie to him, basically. But what that did is that encouraged him. That inspired him. And he believed in himself in a way that he would have never believed in himself if he would have heard what the teachers were actually saying. See, she's an unlikely hero. She played a small part but had a significant impact. You guys with me? And throughout history, it is the unlikely heroes like the mother of Thomas Edison that have changed the world. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 through 19. We'll just read it. <clears throat> now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. But a, what was he? Leper. He had leprosy. Not a leopard. A leper. So he had this disease Basically, it was a disease that, that rotted your, your flesh right off of the bone while you were alive. So while he's a commander and a mighty man of valor, he's also, he's also a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl. Highlight that part. From the land of Israel. And she waited on or she served Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is, who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? So the king says, this is impossible. How could I heal this man of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horse, horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Jordan was a river. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned, turned and went away in rage. And listen to this. Highlight this part. And his servants came near and spoke to him. And said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. And then he goes down, Naaman goes down and he dips himself seven times into the river. And then he's, he's washed and he's cleans of his leprosy. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence in this place. We ask you, God, that you would speak into our hearts, speak into our lives. Help us understand your word. Help us to receive your word. 
But but more than anything, God, help us to live your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Amen. So what has happened here is this great warrior or or commander, general, whatever it was that he was, he's, he's great. He's a great warrior. He's a great leader, but he's a leper. And that's actually a big, big deal because... If you, if you had this disease, you couldn't be around other people. You couldn't be close to them. You couldn't hang out with them. But I guess because of how great of a man he is, they're making a little bit of an exception. And they go into the camps of Israel and they raid. And then they take out this girl. They take this girl as a slave. But she's serving so well. And for whatever reason, I, I cannot imagine... Let's just put, just put yourself in, in, in her shoes for a little bit. All of a sudden, these men come in and take you out. They maybe put you in chains. They put you in handcuffs. They cuff your, your ankles. They maybe put you in a cage. And after a while, they say, you're going to be our slave. Now, for most of us, I know myself, if, my, if I'm a slave and my owner has leprosy, I'm counting down the days till he dies. No? Come on, let's be real. Right? We're hoping every single day that he's in more pain and more pain and more pain. We're hoping every single day when we wake up that morning that he doesn't wake up that morning. But yet this lady, this young girl, we don't even know her name. She obviously doesn't think that way because she even says, hey, if you'll just go to the prophet that's in Samaria, his name's Elisha. If you'll go to him, I know that he can actually heal you. That, that blows my mind. I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy and unreal to think that somebody that is in that position, that is just not even a servant, but actually a slave would have so much love and would still want to see them do better. So a couple of things. We're talking about the servant today. The unlikely hero today that we're talking about is the servant. So go with me. Keep something there in 2 Kings. But go with me to Matthew chapter 23. We're going to read verses 11 and 12. Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23, we're going to read verses 11 and 12. These are great scriptures to highlight right here. For most of you, it's probably written in red letters. That means it was Jesus that spoke this. But he who is greatest among you shall be your what? Your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. To serve others simply means to put others ahead of ourselves. That's what it means to serve others. This young lady, even though she's a slave and she's captive, being held against her will, she's still going the extra mile in serving by recommending to him, if you'll go to this man, he can you. She is definitely putting the needs of him above her own. 
She's definitely thinking about what he's feeling, what he's going through, rather than how she feels. You guys with me? And that's what it is to serve one another. When we serve someone, what we're saying is, I understand your needs, and I'm going to put your needs ahead of my own needs. Right? So to serve others means to put others ahead. Go with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. If you're in Matthew, just go right next to the right, uh, the next book to the right, excuse me. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. <clears throat> Again, the letters are probably in red. This is Jesus speaking. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, but to, all right, so when we were in Guatemala, since we were going like session after session after session, we did an 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, we'd take a five-minute break, then it'd be a 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock, we'd have lunch, then we'd do a 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, and then we'd break, and then we'd do a 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock. And uh, every time we could see that they were starting to kind of get a little bit sleepy and a little bit drowsy. We'd have them stand up and we'd have them stretch and talk to each other. Do I need to do that this morning? Everybody stand up and let's just stretch a little bit. Let's get the blood going. Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. I, if you're not going to be active, we're going to do this. Stand up, stretch. Talk to somebody. Hey, tell somebody next to you, give him a dang amen every now and then. Golly. A pastor friend of mine says, I'm preaching better than you're amening. So Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we'll read it again. For even the Son of Man did not come to be... Lord Jesus, help me. For even the Son of Man did not come to be. There we go. For even the Son of Man did not come to be. But to serve and. Wait, where am I at? But to serve. You see, you guys are messing me up. And to give his life a ransom for many. Listen to this. We are probably the most like Jesus when we are serving. As Christians, that is our goal, is to be a reflection of who Jesus is. And we are probably the most like Jesus throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our month, throughout our year, throughout our life, when we are serving, when we are deciding to put others ahead of ourselves. So Jesus says, even me, the Son of Man, the Son of God, did not come to be served. If anybody in this world ever deserve to be waited on hand and foot to be served every minute, every second of his life. Would you agree with me that it would have been Jesus, the son of God? But it says, even I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as ransom. You see, that was the ultimate act of service. God looked down at us And he says, there's no way these guys could ever be redeemed outside of a perfect sacrifice. And as Jesus is preparing to take the cross, 
He's actually, he says the, the famous prayer of Gethsemane, and he actually tells God, he flat out tells God, I do not want to do this. I don't want to die on the cross. I don't want to get beaten. I don't want to pour my blood out. I don't want to get whipped. I don't want to wear a crown of thorns. I don't want to get spit on. I don't want to be mocked. I don't want people to grab a hold of my beard and rip chunks of beard out of my face. I do not want to do this. But then he finishes with, but not my will, your will be done. The ultimate act of service. He didn't want to go through it. But he looked at you and he looked at me. And he said, if I don't do this, they won't have hope. If I don't do this, they'll never make it. We're never, ever more like Jesus than when we are deciding to serve. When we serve others well, it gives us a voice and it gives us influence. You see, this young lady had to have been serving well. The the, the master Naaman must have known that she had a good heart. Must have known that she was a good lady, that she was a good woman. She was a good person. Must have known that there was love in her heart. Because if not, why would he listen to his slave? Because if his slave was like me and like most of you, we would have given bad advice. We would have been like, hey, if you drink that acid, that'll make you better or something like that. But they must have known her heart. She must have been serving well. She must have been doing something right that gave her a voice and gave her influence. You see, some of us want influence in our homes, but we don't want to serve. Some of us really want influence at work, and we want a voice, and we want influence at, in home, and in our work, and among our friends. But we just want it. We don't want to earn it. We don't want to serve for it. And we just expect it to come with a position or with a title. If we would begin to show people our hearts of servants we would begin to just serve others and put other people's needs ahead of our own, I believe that would give us a voice and it would give us influence. You guys with me? I love you, Joel. Dude, I love you. Everybody else, I love you too. It's just harder to love you. I'm just going to be honest. I'm kidding. Kind of. So when we serve others well, when we serve others out of love, it gives us a voice. It gives us influence. And again, so many of us, and this goes against, this obviously goes against what we learn outside and what we learn in the marketplace and and all of those things. Everything else tells us that it's the position that gives you influence. And it's not that. A title doesn't give you influence. A title just gives you a title. But if we'll serve others, if we'll put their needs above our own, people will listen to our voice. People will want to know and want to hear what it is that we have to say when they know that we operate out of love, when they know that we're operating out of 
service. When we serve, now this is, this is what happens. So Naaman gets the advice from the, from the young lady. She says, if you'll go to the prophet in Samaria, he can heal you. So he immediately goes to the king of Syria and says, hey, this is what the servant said. And he says, well, go, dude. I'll send you a letter while you get packed up. I'll write up a letter for you to give the king. So he goes, he gives it to the king of Israel. The king of Israel's like, there's absolutely no way that I can do this. And he says, no, we don't want you to do it. We want the prophet to do it. So then Naaman goes with the prophet. Elisha. And Elisha tells him, if you'll go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times, then you'll be cleaned. You'll be healed. And Naaman's pride swells up because after all, he's a commander in the greatest army of Syria. And his pride swells up and he says, what do you mean go dip in this dirty river of Jordan? There's so many better rivers and waters where I come from. I thought this is, this is, I think, where so many of us are so many times. He says, what I was expecting, my expectations from you, Elisha, was for you to come out and make a big display and cry out to your God and maybe wave your hand over me, and then I would be clean. He says, I wanted this huge ceremony of, of uh, you know, that would make me look great and make you look great. What are you talking about? Go dip in a river seven times. And he's angry. He begins to walk off. But who is it again that changes his mind? It was his servants. His servants come up to him as he's running away. And maybe he's cussing and throwing a fit. And he's angry and frustrated. And as he's walking away, his servants come running and say, Man, hey, if the prophet would have told you to do something great, you would have done that. He said, how much more just to wash in a river to be cleansed? And so these servants, again, who had a voice, who had influence because of the way they served, because Naaman obviously knew their hearts. They come back or Naaman goes back and he dips into the river and he's cleansed. Again, it's the voice and it's the influence. And when we serve... When we serve others, this is what we do. We enable them, we inspire them, and we encourage them to put others ahead of themselves. We enable people, we inspire them, and we encourage others to put other people ahead of themselves. Now for some of us, for some of us, serving is a gift. For some of us, it is a gift that God has given us. For some of us, serving is something that we love to do. We love to help other people out. We love to encourage other people. We love to see them move forward. And it's so easy for us. It's just so natural to us to put other people's needs ahead of our own. Some of us have this gift of service. Others we need to work at it. Some of us are just, by God has given us this selfless talent to put others ahead. But some of us are just a little bit more selfish. And we need to work at it. We need to work at serving others. We need to work at giving to others and helping others. 
But I want to I want to make this clear and this isn't in your notes, but I want you to write it down. Write this down in your notes. Serving others is not a burden that we bear. Serving others is not a burden that we bear. I got to go help somebody out. I got to help so-and-so. I got to. Serving others is not a burden that we bear, but it's an opportunity that we seize. Serving others is not a burden. It's not a load. It's not a weight that we carry on our shoulders, but it's an opportunity Whenever, especially those of you that have the gift of serving, you look for ways and you look for opportunities to be able to bless someone, to be able to help someone. And every time someone is in need and you're able to meet that need, you see that as an opportunity and you seize it. You see, that's who we are as a church. That is in our DNA. This is why I make trips the way that I make trips. This is why we give the way that we give. This is why we cancel Sunday morning service to go help someone. Because serving others for us as a church, for us as a group of people, it is not a burden. It's not for us. But we look for opportunity. A couple years ago when 24 men were killed just for being Christians. We didn't see that as a burden as, oh man, we, we probably better help. I saw that as an opportunity. We saw that as an opportunity. And I got on the phone and I made phone calls and I talked to a friend of mine who connected me with one of his friends. And I talked to him on the phone for about an hour. And then that very next Sunday, I pitched to you guys the the vision and the goal. And immediately, man, immediately, we're able to raise over $2,400 to send to them. And because of your generosity and because of who we are as a church and because of others around, the goal was through OSI, Operation International out of Ohio, their, their goal was to give $700 to each family. That was their goal, $700. That would help them with their bills for about six months. Well, because of your generosity, generosity and everybody else's, because we saw the opportunity and we seized it, they didn't get $700, they got $2,500 each. Serving others is not a burden, it is an opportunity. That family a couple of weeks ago probably saw the love of God more real and more evident in just a group of people showing up to help put some tin back on a roof. We just happened, God, I believe, orchestrated it all, but we just so happened to be having a potluck. We were able to feed them. And I believe they saw the love of God more real on that day than through any illustrated message that could have ever been presented to them. Serving others is not a burden. It's an opportunity that we seize. It was Thursday night. It was Thursday night. The last um, night of the conference. And uh, this is when the large celebration was going to be. And I knew, I, I honestly knew it was going to be a long night. 
So instead of going and sitting for four hours, I thought, I'll just walk around a little bit. And so I'm walking outside, and there's tons of people because they've got, they're going to do a, they did a drama. They had, I mean, all kinds of stuff going on outside. So I'm just walking through there, and they've got this little concession stand set up. And so I walk over to this concession stand, and I meet this lady. Let's go ahead and put that up. Will you, Jeff? Alba Pinello is her name. And uh, I, I need to pull something up real quick. But uh, anyways, I just start talking to her, and, and I ask her a few questions. And I say, so, you know, my first question was, well, so what do y'all do with the, with the money that y'all get out of here? Because they're selling waters, chips, bananas. They even had meals prepared that they're selling. Like, uh, they had fried bananas. Uh, I love fried. I, I know, for most of you guys, that probably sounds weird. It's actually really good. Not very healthy, but very good. Anyways, um, so they have all kinds of stuff, some tacos and stuff that they're selling. And, and um, she's in the booth. And, and so I just asked her, I said, so what, what, what is all of this money? I didn't know if it was like a special fund. And she says, it just all goes back into the church. And uh, I just began thinking because, you see, I was there at that church about six years ago. And since I've been there, they added an overflow room that is pretty awesome. I mean, it's, it's big. They've added that. Since I've been there, they've added a, a TV station on top of the church. And so immediately, as soon as she says that, I'm like, wow. So they have been a part of building all of that. They have helped with the funds to build all of that. So my next question was, so how long have y'all been doing the concessions? And she says, oh, for over 20 years. Oh, wow. So how long have you been in the church? Well, I've been here for 20 years. Wow. So when did you start serving? She's like, oh, probably like two weeks after I started coming to church. For the last 20 years, she has been in that booth once a week, every week for the last 20 years. And she's telling me and sharing with me, I could tell she's tired. It, it's already been a long week preparing for all of this. And, and so I just look at her right in the eyes and I just say, you know, you know what? Thank you. I said, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for serving. Thank you for being here week after week after week. And I said, it's people like you that have made such a large impact this church and so I say can I take a picture of you she's like uh like come on it's for Facebook <laughs> and she's like no not for Facebook I'm like okay it's for Instagram what's Instagram eh, it's not Facebook okay <laughs> so I take this picture of her and I'm saying I'm standing right there she's serving other people and I begin to type up my caption and once the guy leaves I said you want I said, before I post this, I want to read it to you and make sure it's okay with you. She says, okay. And so I read her this. I said, this is Alba Pinello. She has been volunteering once a week for the last 20 years to oversee concessions at the church. All the profit goes directly into the church. She is a true hero. Then I say, you don't have to have a microphone, instrument, or platform to have an impact. You can simply serve as, and as I look up from reading this to her, I look up and she's in tears. 
And I realize she probably doesn't get thanked very often. And I wonder, I just, I just asked myself and I just wondered, I wonder if anybody's ever just expressed how thankful they are to her. I wonder if anybody has ever made her feel like a hero. I wonder if anybody has ever let her know how great of a job she is doing. And the truth is, that moment, Thursday night, somewhere around 9 p.m., she inspired this message. And as soon as after that conversation, I began to jot down notes for this message. And this is what I realized. These type of heroes, those that are servants, are often overlooked and underappreciated. Sometimes these heroes are even taken for granted and even taken advantage of. I understand that. Listen to me. If you have this gift, if it just joys your heart to serve others and to help others, I understand that there have probably been moments that you've been taken advantage of. I understand that there, are prob- there have probably been moments where you have felt so unappreciated. And there's even probably been moments that just because of where your heart is, people have just expected you to do it. Not because you have to, not even because it's your job, but just because of your history. And they've expected you to move in service and they've expected you to serve And so you've been taken for granted. But I want you to make this commitment with me. Because the truth is, if you have this gift, if God has placed in you the gift of service, we need you. If God has given you this gift and placed it in your heart, the church needs you. The kingdom of God needs you. So I want you to make a commitment with me and I'm going to make a commitment with you. If you have this gift, make the commitment, please, this morning, to keep being faithful, to keep serving, to keep putting yourself in positions that to where maybe, yeah, you will be underappreciated. Maybe you will be taken advantage of. But please do not neglect your gift. Please do not give up on your gift. And my commitment to you, if you'll make this commitment to me, My commitment to you will be to give you honor every opportunity that I have. If you will just say, I realize that God has placed this gift on my heart and over my life to just serve, to just help other people out. Then I I will make this commitment with you to encourage you, to empower you, to enable you. And to give you honor every chance I get. And now I want all of you, regardless of if you have this this, uh, gift or not. I want all of you to make this commitment with me. Because more likely there's someone in your life that has made your life better by serving you. Would you make this commitment with me to just honor them? Can we do that? I'm getting a lot of blank stares. Thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah, I believe those that serve out of a pure heart deserve the honor, any honor that can be given to them. So make that commitment with me. Can you guys do that with me this morning? Amen. Just one one last question that I want to leave you with that I just want you to ask yourself every single day. Again, for some of us, it's natural. For some of us, it's, it's the highlight of our day or of our week. For some of us, it's more of a struggle. So for those of us that it is a little bit more difficult, a little bit less natural for us, let's just ask ourselves a simple question. How can I serve someone today? Just every day. Just wake up. How can I serve someone today? Maybe it can be your children. Maybe it can be your parents, your husband, your wife, your loved ones, your friends, co-workers. How can I serve someone today? God, we thank you so much this morning. We thank you, God, for all of the unlikely heroes. Even like Alba Binello. She'll never get her name in lights. She'll never have the spotlight. Most of the church may not even know her name. But there's no doubt that through her faithfulness and through her serving, week after week after week for the last 20 years, her small role that she has played, there's no doubt that has had a significant, a major impact on the finances of that church. Because of her and the women that she has inspired to serve along with her, it has empowered and enabled the church to grow and to build, to plant other churches, to grow the radio station, to be the largest radio station in that region and to have the second largest, second most viewers on the television station. She'll never get TV time. They may never even say her name through the microphone. But it's women like her, it's people like her who serve faithfully. Even after they've been taken advantage of. Even after they've been uh, um, misunderstood or underappreciated. Even after all of that, they choose to keep serving. They have such a large impact. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.thermodelchurch.com.